I'm going to bring this up as I come. And the children can go. They can be excused. I always forget to do that. So I got the reminder by my husband as I was coming up. Um, and Erin, um, you're wrong. Um, I am representing the Kinslers today, uh, the Kinsler clan. And I'm actually going to put my Bible over here. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I've been checking in with my folks because they have Ryder, my middle son, uh, with them at General Assembly this this time. And um, I was talking to them last night, and I thought, you know, I'm missing out on seeing all these. You know, when you go back to this general convention, you see, like, people that you went to college with. Um, it's just, and it's just kind of overwhelming, the amount of people that are there. So maybe you've seen that uh, from the Facebook pictures that Kyla has posted. But um, thank you for allowing me to be here this morning. Um, I always feel uh, a little nervous um, to be in front of you, but um, I, it's nice to look out at, at smiles, and, and I appreciate that. Uh, this morning, we enter our fifth week of studying the Psalms of the Ascent. These Psalms, as we've been studying, are about a pilgrimage. They're a journey from a long way away to the very heart of God. As we read these Psalms, and hopefully many of you have followed the advice of Danny, he gave us some advice a couple weeks ago, uh, to read the Psalms throughout the week. And uh, I know as I've read them, um, I've imagined people singing some of these psalms, like the one we're going to look at today. Um, and as they went up to Jerusalem for these three great pilgrim festivals in, in ancient Israel, um, they were singing and they were praising. Uh, some of these, though, you may find sound more like something you would write in your journal rather than sing with others. And I imagine some of these psalms were perhaps a way that these pilgrims would prepare privately to make these great journeys. In any case, these psalms help us make a pilgrimage to God. We might be far away from him, but gradually, by following the path God has laid out for you and for me, we can end up in a place where there is blessing. And it is this long obedience in the same direction that the world does so much to discourage. The Lord of the Rings by J.R. Tolkien is a favorite of mine. And perhaps you've read the books or you've seen the movies. These psalms are sort of like the Lord of the Rings. And much like Frodo setting off on the adventure laid before him, we too should think of ourselves as embarking on our journey in relationship with God, and this journey's intent is to honor him. I love how one author I read put it. Enjoy these psalms. They are meant to be read, sung, digested, wrestled over, and most of all, put in your backpack and taken with you on a spiritual journey to the Father heart of God. Let's stand 
And let's read our psalm this morning, Psalm 124. We're going to be reading this passage from the message, so it should be up on the screen. As many of you know, we've been uh, kind of centering our sermon series around Eugene Peterson's book, which is titled A Long Obedience in the Same Direction, and his translation of these psalms. So this particular psalm is meant to be read by a chorus of voices. So let's read it together. A pilgrim's song of David. If God hadn't been for us, all together now, Israel, sing out. If God hadn't been for us, when everyone went against us, we would have been swallowed alive by their violent anger, swept away by the flood of rage, drowned in the torrent. We would have lost our lives in the wild, raging water. Oh, blessed be God, he didn't go off and leave us. He didn't abandon us defenseless, helpless as a rabbit in a pack of snarling dogs. We've flown free from their fangs, free of their traps, free as a bird. Their grip is broken. We're free as a bird in flight. God's strong name is our help the same God who made heaven and earth. Thanks be to God. Oh, I did it again. <laughs> this is the word of the Lord. Yes, I, I always, you know, it's, I'm just in that. I'm, you know, thanks be to God. Now, as you've probably noticed by now, each of these psalms have a theme. And the theme of Psalm 124 is described by Peterson as a song of hazard and of help. It is one that better than any other describes the hazardous work of discipleship and declares the help that is always experienced at the hand of God. Our passage today breaks into three parts. It contains an acknowledgement of God's favor in verses 1 through 5, an act of worship in verses 6 and 7, and an announcement of belief and faith in verse 8. In this psalm, we find the answer to the past. God was on our side. We find the answer for the present. Their grip is broken and freedom is available. And we find the answer for the future. God's strong name is our help. The psalm begins as a call and response, and Eugene especially, you, you hear this, with the singer inviting the congregation to join in. It brings to mind this picture of a preacher calling out to his congregation asking, can I get a witness? And the response of the congregation back to him. An acknowledgement of God's favor verses 1 through 5, describe what it would be like if God were not our helper. If God was not our helper, then we'd be swallowed alive. The flood would have swept us away. The torrent would have gone over us, and over us would have gone raging waters. Without God, my enemies would overwhelm me. 
Interestingly, it doesn't say if our enemies attack us, but when. Our psalm today tells us enemy attacks will come. The psalmist uses metaphors in verses 3, 4, and 5 that indicate a spiritual nature sort of attack and that our fight is not necessarily against flesh and blood. As Christians, we face the danger of being swallowed alive, of a flood sweeping us away, of being submersed by raging waters. These are all pictures of the forces of evil that are in opposition to the work of God. The first metaphor that the psalmist may be referring to, um, I think, may refer to enemy nations or even the devil described in the New Testament as one who prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour, 1 Peter 5.8. Eugene Peterson refers to the image of a dragon, which represents evil, a creature from which there is no escape. Such a creature represents all that can threaten and hurt us, and we all have things that can do that, don't we? The second metaphor is a flood, sudden destruction. Flash floods are common in Israel, and due to its dry climate, rain can cause disaster. Rainstorms fill cracks and gullies, which feed into one another, and the waters can cause unexpected catastrophes. Travelers can be suddenly swept away. The Lord provides us, though, with a solid foundation to keep us from being engulfed by troubles. We may at times be tossed about, but we are not submerged. I think about those in Oklahoma who perhaps have experienced the devastation of those storms that have just hit them. One minute, the world is wonderful and things are fine, and the next minute, the entire world of these families um, these parents, these children, um, is just devastated. The psalmist in these first two metaphors is not talking about the good life, how God has kept him out of all difficulty. He's been through the worst, and he's come out the other side intact. Josh Moody, in his book Journey to Joy, says this, The danger is real. But rescue is, too. God rescues from danger. First, without God, danger becomes destruction because the danger is real. This is life and death stuff. Without God, danger becomes destruction. Don't let it. You're teetering on the edge, and God wants you to look at the reality of life. We cannot see our faith as a crutch. Faith is not for wimps. There's the story of when Muhammad Ali was taking a plane ride, and the flight attendant asked him politely to put on his seatbelt. His seatbelt. Uh, he looked at her and he refused, saying, "Superman don't need no seatbelt." The flight attendant promptly replied. Superman don't need no plane either. <laughs> we cannot rescue ourselves. 
And just because we are the people of God doesn't mean that we're not going to have ordeals. We all walk along the road of faith. As we all walk along the road of faith, we can expect to encounter any number of of unexpected hazards along the way. Psalm 61.3 says this, For you have been my refuge, a strong tower against the foe. The psalmist acknowledges that he was not abandoned, but helped. And he acknowledges God's favor to him and to those with him in the midst of these unexpected hazards. God is the strong tower that we can run to. In verse 6 and 7, we see an act of worship. So despite the hazards of the walk of faith this psalm mentions, they are not the focus of our passage. This is not what this psalmist wants us to dwell on. Sure, he acknowledges that there are dangers in following God, but he doesn't stay there. He doesn't get bogged down in the troubles. The focus of this psalm is not the hazards, but the helper. And our psalmist turns to an act of worship in these next two verses. Oh, blessed be God. He didn't abandon us defenseless, helpless as a rabbit in a pack of snarling dogs. We've flown free from their fangs, free of their traps. We're free as a bird in flight. There is an image here of a bird trapped in a snare. I actually looked this up on the internet and um, was going to show you a few pictures because there are, there are plenty of them of various snares that you can actually make in order to catch a bird. Here's what the website uh, said, one of the websites I saw. With most small game, it is easier to trap than to stalk and kill. In a survival situation, setting traps also leaves you with time to attend to other duties like foraging or shelter building. In my mind, I'm thinking Bear Gryllis, man versus wild, trying to catch a bird for dinner. The psalm talks about the bird being trapped and there seems no way out, but then the snare breaks and the bird escapes. Now this wouldn't be so great for Bear. But, so this is not good fortune. It is a divine intervention. Fowlers have many methods of trapping birds, as I mentioned, and Satan has many methods of ensnaring us as well. Peterson comments that when we are first in danger, our consciousness of hazard is total, like a bird trapped in a snare. All the facts add up to doom. There is no way out. And then, unaccountably, there is a way out. The snare breaks and the bird escapes. Deliverance is a surprise. Rescue is a miracle. Oh, blessed be God. He didn't abandon us defenseless. The psalmist simply offers a testimony here, an act of worship. This is what God has done for me. A testimony is simply telling about the mess we were in and how God lifted us out of that mess 
and now we become God's witnesses. In Christian thought, the word witness is always connected to the expression of the cross as well as the experience of the cross. When we think about early Christians singing in prison and why when sent to jail for their witness, they brought out new converts with them. We think of Paul rejoicing in his sufferings and this psalmist so happily speaking of his close escape from the jaws of death. He does not look back and say, why on earth did that happen to me? He looks back to say, blessed be the Lord, and in so doing, he is a powerful witness. There is no testimony like the one from someone who has been close to the edge and come back again. My friend and neighbor, Kenan Neal, some of you may even know Kenan. She is the director of foundation and corporate relations up at Westmont. In October of 2012, she sent an email to the Westmont community that I'd like to read to you. She says, Dear Westmont community, I have just learned I am walking a new path on a 25-year-old year old road. As many of you know, I was diagnosed at age 21 with Hodgkin's disease. I am enormously grateful and thank God for the privilege of more than doubling my life. Being married to a truly remarkable man, the privilege of enjoying three amazing and creative children, and watching God show himself faithful in a multitude of ways. Through four cancer battles, he has often allowed me to peek behind the curtain to see how his ways have been working out for my best and his glory. What a privilege. As I face cancer again, and I do not know what this season of life will hold or how long it will last, it is all in his hands. My greatest hope is that this journey will be used for God's glory that the body of Christ will be strengthened and all will fight the betrayal barrier by trusting in God's loving plan. I would be very honored if my Westmont friends would speak of the goodness of God and celebrate his faithfulness with me. He is mighty. And then on her carrying bridge, she says, thank you for your prayers as I enter battle number five. May nothing be wasted in the journey toward true life and wholeness. Kenan is a witness. Now, she's not walking around saying, wonderful, praise God, I've got cancer. She, much like our psalmist, bears witness to what God has done for her and doesn't hide how terrible it all has been. If you know Kenan, you know that she is singing songs of praise in the night. Him's in jail. Sorry. Blessed be the Lord as he rescues. And sometimes the rescue is healing. And we don't know whether that will happen or not for Kenan. But God has certainly rescued her from the snare a few times now. And Peterson, Peterson says Psalm 124 is an instance of a person who digs deeply in 
to the trouble and finds there the presence of the God who is on our side. Faith develops out of the most difficult aspects of our existence, not the easiest. I've been sort of focusing on deliverance or rescue from physical dangers, but that's only part of the picture. God delivers us from sin. He saves us from that which seeks to destroy us. And this psalm points us to the cross and beyond to the resurrection. God sent his son, Jesus, to take our punishment. God put his son in danger to deliver us from the penalty of sin. Surely Paul was thinking of this psalm and its meaning when he wrote, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Romans 8, 31. The sacrifice of Christ is our only hope for forgiveness. So we find help by recognizing our helplessness and by admitting we need God's help. Only then can we experience what God can do in our lives. In Isaiah 55, 6, Isaiah urges the people to seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him now while he is near. God rescues. This wonderful song sends, sent, um, ends in affirmation, an announcement of belief and faith. Verse 8 says, God's strong name is our help, the same God who made heaven and earth. Isn't it comforting to know that the God who formed the universe has time for us? that he wants to be involved in our lives in both times of comfort and or conflict. He does not abandon us to the forces of nature or to our enemies. When we're tempted to question God, we need to just remember that faith develops out of the most difficult aspects of life, not the easiest. The psalmist praises God in a world that is hellish, because it is the help he's experienced, not the hazards he's faced that defines him. We can sing our songs of victory in a world where things are really messed up, and we can live lives filled with joy among people who don't understand us or even encourage us. Eugene Peterson says this in closing, we are traveling in the light toward God, who is rich in mercy and strong to save. It is Christ, not culture, that defines us and our lives. It is the help we experience, not the hazards we risk, that shapes our days. We know this psalm best when we've tested and used it. We find it credible because we've experienced the helping hand of God. When we trust in the Lord, we can live out Isaiah 40, 31. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. In the living of this psalm, we discover that God is with us and for us and is our hope and strength each day. We too are called to sing 
just as Israel sang these words we looked at today. The author of Psalm 40, after telling us of being lifted out of the pit, tells us that he put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. What has the Lord brought you through that has put a new song in your mouth? Whatever it is, then let's sing it together, because the Lord is our helper, and if God is for us, who can be against us? Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you are our help, our hope for each day. Lord, we need reminders and reassurance that our deliverance comes not from within ourselves, but it comes from you. Thank you that you sent your son Jesus to secure our pardon. Help us each day to confess and to claim the blood of Christ as our eternal remedy for sin. Amen. I've asked our worship team uh, to sing a song called My Help Comes from the Lord. And I'd just like for us to stay seated and to listen. If you want to join in with them, that's fine. But I just really want you to meditate on the words as they sing them.